What up, my fellow Knicks fans? This is your guy, Marcellus Ease, and don't panic quite yet. Now, this will be part of my series, Surgical Summer, and this will be Volume 2, starring Mr. Leon Rose, as once again, the media finally got him to come out of his hiding spot. Or should I say MSG media finally got him to come out of his hiding spot. We all know he has a reserved personality, but like I always say, having any affiliation with the Knicks, because this is a Nick town, will always be a front-facing job. And he was actually asked a lot of tough questions, surprisingly. He was asked about the tampering situation with Brunson, missing out on Donovan Mitchell. They also went over a couple of other things like the offseason signings of RJ Barry and Mitchell Robinson. Also getting Hartenstein, what is his role going to be, and some of the issues with Julius Randle last season. And they also talked about a lot of the online noise about Tibbs not playing young guys. Once again, a lot of the social media and the the presence of the Knicks fan base, especially some of the toxic ones we can't cap. That pressure is 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 growing. It's growing by the day, and they're definitely hearing it. It's surprising once again. Leon Rose had to answer a lot of tough questions, but we'll hear directly from him. And every once in a while I'll check in. So you guys definitely check it out. Welcome to a conversation with Leon Rose presented by Chase. Hi, everybody. I'm Alan Hahn. As we get you ready for a new season of Knicks basketball, I'm happy to be joined by team president Leon Rose. Leon, good to see you. You ready to dive right into this? I sure am. All right, let's let's get right into it because a lot of headlines this offseason. And one of the biggest headlines and one of the biggest stories was the team's pursuit of Donovan Mitchell. It is something that even Donovan Mitchell felt like he was going to end up here in New York. What can you tell us about that pursuit? Well, I'm not allowed to speak with regard to players that are on the contract with other teams. However, as you know, it is my job to, you know, evaluate and look at trades and things of that nature in order to improve the team. And, and right before he says something right here, I'd like to say one thing that's a major evaluation is having Donovan Mitchell, a six foot one guard, play along with Brunson, especially last season when Brunson didn't have Luka in the playoffs the first three games. And he was cooking Mitchell. So I don't know why there was a lot of media pressure for the Knicks to actually touch base and try to get Mitchell and keep RJ, which a lot of it low-key was a lot of disrespect to RJ Barrett. But at the end of the day, playing two six-foot-one guards, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense. You know, like I said when I came in, we were going to be aggressive. We were going to be opportunistic. You know, our plan was to work with what we have through player development, look at what's out there and just as a group try to get better every day and that's what you know we've tried to do and also donovan mitchell is not changing the needle he's not moving the needle at all you know even him going to the Cavs, is it even a guarantee they're going to make the second round ask yourself that but at the end of the day that playoff series that he's been living off of against okc with russell westbrook and mellow that he went off on he's really been living off that for a good minute now and as we see with Russell Westbrook and the Lakers, he's pretty much a kind of a false prophet when it comes to the playoffs. So you got to ask yourself, was that OKC team really that good, especially to get cooked by a rookie in Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, just you got to ask yourself that. And at the end of the day, what has Donovan Mitchell done since? A bunch of first round exits. I mean, it is what it is. That process, you know, we went through that process there and Ultimately, at the end of the day, uh, we made the decision to stay put, and um, we're thrilled with where we are. And the fans should also be thrilled also. This is the first time the Knicks showed a lot of poise, especially under this new leadership. You know, huge media pressure. Of course, the Utah Jazz, they did not have any leverage. I don't know why the media was big enough Danny Ainge when he had a superstar chilling in Coney Island. I mean, if you're from New York City, you would know especially to go to Brooklyn, to Coney Island. You got to go out your way to go out there. So it is what it is. They had no leverage. And we pretty much see what the Utah Jazz got from Mitchell. They didn't even get none of the stars that the Cavs had. The Cavs had at least three nice young players, Garland, Sexton, and Evan Mobley, and they were not able to secure any one of those guys. So that shows you how much leverage they really had. We really are. We're thrilled with the team that we have, and we feel like we are positioned very well for the future. I mean, even taking a look at the summer, this past summer, we feel great about what transpired. You know, one of our, you know, main goals all along has been to try to create internal stability. Signed R.J. Barrett. 
first extension of a player since Charlie Ward. We retained Mitchell Robinson. Mitchell um, is, a, is another player who has been developed through, through the last few years, and we felt very fortunate to be able to keep him. Free agency. We got the number one point guard in free agency this summer in Jalen Brunson, and we feel like we got a great other piece in Isaiah Hartenstein. And that's a mega steal for the Knicks right there. That might turn out really well, and he's going to give Mitchell Robinson a run for his money in terms of, you know, earning minutes. You know, definitely, I know Mitchell got paid, but Hartenstein low-key, I believe we might have him in a three-year deal. Maybe the last year might be a team option, but we got him for a really good price for what he does. He's going to stretch that floor along with Brunson, and he can protect the paint. Just at times, he gets a little jumpy. But going back to what Leon Rose said, it's it's been pretty much a decent offseason, a lot of poise, and we have a lot of flexibility low-key with all the draft picks that we have. Even though some of them are protected by the other teams, we still have flexibility in those draft picks to move guys around in case certain contracts don't work out. Like how we moved around Kimball Walker, Nerlens Noel, and Burks. You know, you got to have those draft picks. Oh, we feel really good about the summer. By not making a move, we are flush with draft capital, which, as you know, is great currency in the market. And and a lot of teams are using these draft picks, especially these mid first round draft picks as ways to move contracts. Something is going on in the league right now. And I'll, I'll leave this for probably in my other channel where I cover stuff around the league, Orange Cookies. But there's something going on around the league right now where the mid uh, first round draft picks, teams are not evaluating those picks with a lot of, uh, I should say, high esteem. They're kind of using those things just to move contracts around something that will help us get better as we move forward. And you just outlined pretty much all the things that we're going to talk about here. And let's begin at the very top then, as you mentioned, because in the midst of the pursuit, you know, you're always going to see names in the rumors that's going to happen. But in the midst of a pursuit of an all-star, a player that, you know, everybody wanted was R.J. Barrett. And you decided at that point, we're keeping him. We're signing him to an extension. So what kind of message did that send right there? I mean... I send a message that the Knicks are going to stick to development, and Donovan Mitchell does not really move the needle like that. As the Cavs this season, we'll find out. But at the end of the day, a lot of the disrespect, and hopefully this serves as motivation to RJ, it's been very disrespectful by the media for the Knicks to try to pursue and add on Donovan Mitchell while keeping RJ. You know, at the end of the day, like, how many shots was he going to get? Like, 10 shots a game? It's just the lineup would have never made sense with Brunson, Randall, RJ, all these guys. But at the end of the day, the Knicks got RJ at a great bargain, you know, especially with the cap going up. And we're sticking to development, something that we haven't really stuck to. You got to see what your guys got. And RJ's a player. He's going to be consistent for the long run, and he's going to keep getting better. The message that it sent is, RJ, you're a centerpiece of the New York Knicks. You are a key piece to our future and to our success. Uh, he is a key piece to our core. We have a great young core. I mean, RJ's 22 years old. And, you know, he's continually gotten better each season. That's fact. And also, the Knicks got him at a steal. You look at the price point that they got him at, $107 million for four years. So that's $23 million. And it's going up every single year up into $29 million. But I'm wondering how the hell Tyler Hero got $120 million for four years. He got a little bit more than RJ which is very strange because he is not a better player than RJ, especially defensively. And then you got to look at other guys that kind of came behind RJ. Hopefully that serves as motivation to him as guys like Darius Garland, the fifth overall pick in that same 2019 draft class. He got the full max. He got 194 for five years. And he also has bonus incentives on top of that, just like Jean Morant and Zion Williams. They all got that 194 for five years. So the Knicks definitely got RJ for a steal as the team and RJ are still working on that development stage. He's a two-way player and, you know, he's, his numbers are in the company of elite. His numbers are in the company of Kobe Bryant, LeBron James, Luka Doncic, and Kevin Durant. They're the only other four players that by the age of 10, 22 scored 3,000 points, mm -hmm. 2,000 rebounds, 1,000 rebounds, and 300, uh, I believe it was 300, uh, th three point mm -hmm. shots.
Well, Leon Rose is throwing a little sauce in there for RJ, but RJ definitely is doing his thing. But I'm going to throw RJ some bill here. The Knicks were not set up in the beginning of his rookie season when they had Marquise Morris doing his whole thing where he was trying to imitate Allen Iverson. And just we had no point guard set up. RJ's never really been in a good scenario where he had a guy setting him up. He had to be the shot creator while playing in a small forward position, which is not his original position. So he's never really been in a great situation to thrive, but he has been making best with what he has. And we've been seeing the results and we can imagine with Brunson, it should definitely ease his role. And it is, it is, again, the growth of a player, as you've seen, and now he becomes a foundational piece Absolutely. for what you have building forward. But just one more on rumors, because it, it is impossible for players to avoid hearing about it, seeing their names, other players that were involved in that, too. What would you have to say to them as now they are still here and still part of what you're building? I think they know, but I'll say it. You're a Nick. We want you here. We love you, and we look forward to getting started on Tuesday. Draft picks, luckily, don't have to worry about trade rumors. You just have them. They're just things right now. What, what do you have now over the next seven years? We have 21 draft picks over the next seven years, 11 first-round picks, and 10 second-round picks. Now, not a lot of teams have available draft picks to trade. Um, there's a limit the, that the league places. You can't trade so many back-to-back -back years. So the Knicks are one of the very few teams that actually could trade a lot of years right now because they haven't sent away picks for previous years. So I think uh, if you trade like four picks for four years in a row, you can't trade the next four or something like that. But there's a lot of teams that have picks, but they can't trade them because they already traded too many consecutive years. So it's a good position for the Knicks to be in, especially if this Brunson contract does not work out or Randall or any other contract. So they do have flexibility. That's a lot. It's, so with that in mind... Should we assume the shop's not closed, that there's still some things to be done going forward with all those assets? Absolutely. It goes back to it goes back to what our overall goal is. And as I said, you know, we're our goal is to improve. And there's different ways to improve. You know, our primary focus has been on our internal player development. Finally, someone has said it. Finally. And this is why they always say you can't build in a big market. I don't think uh, a lot of the media, especially, I don't want to say the fan base. I want to say the media. They are going to put pressure on the Knicks to not go that route. And I always thought it was cap to say that you can't rebuild in a small market. Rebuilding is part of sports. You have to start over. You have to develop within first. And then when the opportunity presents itself, you can get draft picks. And also, I'm going to cut Leon Rose some slack on the free agency pickups because unfortunately, when he took over the Knicks job, the landscape of free agency changed a little bit. You know, the basically the name of the game became superstar players might as well re-sign with their current teams and then ask out a year later. As we've seen it play out with Kevin Durant, Paul George, Ben Simmons, et cetera, et cetera. Now, this is a new trend that started pretty much around 2020. We're we're very happy with what our guys have put in this summer we're very happy with the development that we've seen in our young players as evidenced by the deal that we did with rj the deal that we did with mitchell and you know that's one aspect of it the other aspect of it is you know looking to make moves and you know having that type of capital is going to be very beneficial and helpful to do that and you know so the uh that's, you know, the, the focus is to try to get better every day. Coaches, front office, players, all of us. And that's what we're working towards. So, no, back to your question, which is the shop is not closed, mm -hmm. you know, but we're very pleased with where we are. We're very pleased with the players on the team. And when you look at talking about draft picks, look at our past three drafts, you know, and I have to give a shout out to Walt Perrin and company. They've done, our scouts have done a tremendous job. Um, and yes, they have. And Walt Perriman, you got to look at him. He's been with the Utah Jazz since the 90s. So since the Carl Malone Stockton days, and then they easily transitioned to find Darren Williams and they had Andre Karolinko. So those guys have always been good with finding new talent to keep that team relevant, especially in that small market. And also Frank Zanin down in OKC. He spent a lot of time with Sam Presti. So he kind of picked up on a few things. And if you notice the Knicks in the last two drafts, they had kind of swapped their picks a lot with OKC and the Utah Jazz 
to position those picks to get other assets. And, you know, beyond even our scouts, it's, you know, every, you know, in the organization, it's not one person. It's an organization. It's a group. It's people working together. But Walt and his group, that's their area, you know, scouting and college scouting and uh, international scouting. And, you know, Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly, Quentin Grimes, Miles McBride, Jericho Sims, and, you know, Trevor Keels we'll see this year. But... You know, Find that's, players. Those, yeah. that's our that, those are our draft picks. And, you know, and, and you can see the reaction from the fan base. New York City is actually proud of those guys. You know, we kind of made do with what we had. And we we got some guys, man, on the squad and, and the city loves them. We see the potential. We love that shit. The, the underdog, you know, low key guys. We want to see them work hard and grind. We're very pleased with where we are and what we've done over the last couple of years and how those guys have, you know, worked, how our coaches have worked with them and how they've developed and where we are right now. Let's talk about the big fish you did get in Jalen Brunson, as you mentioned. And yes, you've known him his whole life, but you've known a lot of players for a long time. But besides knowing him and what he's about, what is it specifically about him that fits here, that fits this team and fits playing here in New York. Well, before Leon Rose says something, I'll say this. This Jalen Brunson situation reminds me of James Harden in around 2012 after they lost in the finals and then his four-year contract was up. He couldn't quite shine with Westbrook and Durant on the team and he went to Houston. Houston took a chance on him and as we've seen today, you know, he turned out to be this guy who could average almost 30 points a game. So Brunson kind of falls in the same realm. He couldn't quite shine over there up in Dallas. Of course, Luka Doncic is a unicorn, but we'll see what he could do here. Of course, the Knicks now being been able to pick him up on a four-year deal, just like how Houston picked up James Harden on a four-year deal the same exact way. And both of these guys are very similar. They got good footwork, good balance. They're not really speedy guys. They're high IQ players with just good footwork, poise, and balance, and understanding of the game. So... It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out because this could be really good for the Knicks, especially with Brunson's contract, the way they structured it is going to keep getting it's I believe it's on a downhill. So the more years go by, the less money it is. I think it's more money up front. So the cap is set to keep going up every single year. So the more years go by, the more Brunson contract looks better and better. And we also have plenty of draft picks just in case he underperforms his contract. And just to clarify that, we have plenty of draft picks. Just in case he underperforms his contract, we can be able to move him around. But I doubt I doubt we're going to even need to do that because this is this is looking like it's going to work out. Hey, his DNA, he has a winning DNA. And when I say you look at you look at his history, state champions in high school, two national championships in college. Last year, with and without Luka Doncic, leads the Dallas Mavericks to the Western Conference Finals. Exactly. And he cooked Donovan Mitchell. That's the most important part. I know Leon Rose can't say that, but that's the most important part. Look at games one, two, and three. I did a whole video breaking down all his games without Luka, including that playoff series. I'll link it in the description below, but you guys definitely check it out. And he was cooking that boy. Woo! You know the basketball and he's improved every year because of who he is what he's about it's the character it's the work ethic it's the professionalism it and we brought him here and we are so fortunate because he fills you know one of the biggest voids that we had the starting point guard you know that is exactly the starting point guard was a major issue last season as how many blown leads did we have i know you fellas remember all those blown games especially Yo, it reached a boiling point when we lost that game to Brooklyn after being up by so much. But last season, we had so many blown games because we didn't have a guy to control the pace and slow the game down in the fourth quarter. That shit was horrible. Such an important role to our team, mm -hmm. to every team, really. But to our team, we needed that person that was going to stabilize us. And someone that he's also someone we believe is going to make everyone around him better. You know, the way he plays, his unselfishness, his his basketball IQ, his leadership, all of those things are, you know, the reasons why he, you know, and he fits perfectly in Tibbs' system. And Tibbs has known him.
for a long, you know, it's, it's going to be a seamless transition for him into the system. Well, the work ethic is definitely going to fit with Tiz, but I just questioned some of the, the cluttering in the paint because we got Randall that likes to paint, RJ Brunson definitely likes to paint, but he's a spot of shooter three also. But we have a number of guys that's going to kind of crowd up that paint. But the lineup situation, we'll see how Tibbs mix and matches these lineups because he get he could get Hartenstein in there to stretch that floor and create some of that spacing, and maybe even play Obi along with Randall to increase the pace of the team. Because remember last year we was dead last in pace. Now we got Brunson. Brunson loves pushing the pace. Now Obi could fly down the court. We could also have Randall with that big body man trailing. You know it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting. I kind of hope Tibbs kind of mixes the lineups a bit and kind of shake things up, especially with putting Obi in there. Covered the Western Conference Finals and watched him. I really watched their playoffs from the very beginning and when Luca, well, like you mentioned, when Luca wasn't available early in the playoffs, he was, like, he took it to another level. And a lot of people along the way, including, you know, members of the Golden State Warriors in the finals, noted how Jalen Brunson showed us something that maybe only he knew he had, but not everybody else did. So is that something what what he showed in the playoffs is sort of what you're looking at as he could bring that to us? Once again, I'm telling you fellas, man, check out that video I made. Brunson was cooking Mitchell early in the playoffs. And this scenario, like I said before, reminds me of when James Harden left OKC in 2012. You know, none of us saw that he could be this guy that could actually lead a team into being, you know, at least a top three seed consistently for the next seven years. We never thought that. We thought he could be nice, but we didn't think he was going to be winning all those games. And Brunson, this scenario with him, with the Knicks getting him off a four-year deal the same exact way, is very similar. This shit is kind of eerie. Nothing he does is going to surprise me, but all I want him to do is come here and be Jalen Brunson. I'm not setting those types of standards for him, but I want him to come here and do the things he has done every step of the way, and I believe that's going to help elevate who we are. All right, well. Exactly. And one more thing about that. That's a great point that Leon Rose just brought up. You know, elevate the whole squad. You know, Brunson can actually come to New York and average like 16 points and 10 assists. If he averages that, best believe RJ and Randall's numbers, they should be slightly higher and they should be way more efficient. He should make things easier for a lot of guys even guys off the bench like even Derrick Rose Derrick Rose can rest for more games he doesn't have the pressure of performing 30 minutes a night and getting injured as we've seen last year with Kimber Walker not performing up to par so Derrick Rose had to come in and he performed so hard that by December he, he already was injured six weeks into the season it was kind of ridiculous so Rose has a lot of benefit quickly could benefit also Obi especially is going to benefit out of that. Hartenstein going to spread the floor. You know, Brunson's IQ is really high. He's going to find guys, push the pace. This is going to be a really good look for the team. Overall, he doesn't have to come here and average 30 points a game. He could elevate everybody. The process of signing Jalen Brunson, the NBA, has an investigation that's ongoing regarding tampering. Was there any tampering involved in getting Jalen Brunson? No. This is fucking ridiculous. The league, you know, out of all the tampering... <laughs> You know, they allowed LeBron James and Clutch Sports, you know, they've been tampering for a good minute since the Anthony Davis situation. And now all of a sudden we're tampering. I mean, pretty much Brunson already knew he wanted to come here with the league not really. Well, I shouldn't say the league with the media, the NBA media not really blowing this up too much. I, I think the league is just going to brush it under the rug. No. All right, well, Mitchell Robinson, you mentioned, is another player that you were able to re-sign and bring him back this season. Why was it so important to have Mitchell Robinson back in the fold this year? Well, number one, first and foremost, Mitchell Robinson, very talented player, elite rim protector, uh, monster on the offensive glass, and someone who has really developed since I've, since I've been here. You know, I've seen a lot of growth in Mitchell Robinson. He's had some setbacks. He's worked through him. He's fully healthy right now, which we're really excited about coming in. Ooh, that'd be very interesting to see Mitch play a full season. But he's going to have to because Hartenstein going to be running right behind him. He's going to give him a run for his money for those minutes. Camp. And, uh, you know, for us, continuity and stability is something we're trying to 
and I've talked about that since the beginning too, is something that we want to have in this organization with regard to our group. And, you know, Tibbs laid the foundation when he came in, and we continue to try to build on that foundation, and, and everything that we do is based on that. And, you know, Mitchell Robinson understands the philosophy. He understands the defensive schemes, and I believe we're going to see something, you know, a lot out of Mitchell this year, and I believe that his ceiling is high. Yeah, yeah and definitely, and that's, and that's a great point brought up by Leon Rose, the consistency and stability of the franchise. It's good to see guys every single season, you know, one after the next, another guy comes in and kind of, you know, brings a new face to the team, and it's like, oh, we got to start over. He got to learn the schemes. But now you're going to see the same guys. Them signing Mitchell Robinson actually showed that the Knicks are kind of almost doubling down on development, and they're going to stick to it, which is great to see. And this type of commitment is a great signal to guys like Obi, Quickly, Grimes, McBride, that, hey, they're going to stick with you guys as long as you put in the work and you grind. They're going to look towards you first when it comes contract renewal time. A lot of people around the league believe yes. that. Another thing, too, it's something I had heard. This signing that you made with Isaiah Hartenstein was not something that was a big headline. But people I've talked to around the league said that's a sneaky good signing. How does he fit into the puzzle here? Isaiah, he's a versatile big, and he gives us something a little different than Jericho and, and Mitchell in that he's more, he can step out, he can shoot the ball. He's a little bit more of a stretch, stretch big. And he's very skillful as far as passing the ball. He plays with passion. He plays with energy. And I'll tell you, the people sitting in the front row just want to make sure that they keep their eyes on the floor <laughs> if he's going for a loose ball in their area because he may wind up on their lap. The so he's a grinder. But what's important with Hartenstein here is that I'm pretty sure Walt Perriman and Frank Zanin paid attention to how Brunson was cooking last year on the Mavericks. And he had that center, Maxi Keebler, he had him open, shooting threes nonstop. And they're like, hey, we got to get a stretch five. And Hartenstein was a great signing, especially due to the fact that the Clippers have so many guys already on that team. I don't think they could afford to give him a three-year deal. So we kind of lucked up on that. But that is a great signing because definitely Brunson, he needs a stretch five because a lot of his assists last year came off of that feeding that stretch five. So that's going to be very, very important. It plays hard, great character, good basketball IQ, and, you know, we're thrilled to have him. Dive into the lap of Clyde Frazier in go. one game. Who knows? He'll be yeah, ready, ready to take it. the charge. That's it. Uh, I think it's safe to assume, I guess, that he'll be part of a bench unit as, as depth is a, 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 one of the strengths of this team. And part of that depth is a lot of your young players that you've mentioned before, of course, and Quentin Grimes and Obi Toppin, Emmanuel Quickly. Um, you know the fans. Love your young players. You heard it all last year, how much they fell in love with that young group of players and wanted to see them get more minutes. I'm curious if there's an edict this year to make sure they get minutes. And once again, to the fans, this is, this is the verification. A lot of the online noise, these guys are hearing it very loud and clear because they're definitely answering your questions right now. And this is like a major issue that's been brought up online. You know, of course, Nick's Twitter going in. But this is your answer right here. You want your young guys getting more burn. Come on, Tibbs. What you doing? An edict? No, there's, <laughs> there's, there's no edicts. Hey, we love our young players, too. Believe me. Um, but there's no edict. Tibbs is the coach. Tibbs decides who plays, how many minutes, what the rotations are. And, you know, there's one thing I know about Tibbs. He's going to make decisions based on who's going to help us win a basketball game. And that's his job, and that's his role, and that's you know, what he does. And I have, you know, full confidence in that. The other thing Tibbs says, though, and, you know, we're looking forward to this, he says, everyone starts with a clean slate. When you come into camp, everybody starts with a clean slate. And therefore, you know, I look forward to the competition that's going to take place come next Tuesday when we start our first day of practice. Yeah, that's very interesting. So Leon Rose, once again, like in the first interview, and when I did Surgical Summer Volume 1, he doubled down on Tibbs, and once again, he's doubling down on Tibbs. So Tibbs definitely has a vote of confidence. And this is kind of good to see, even though a lot of the fan base does not agree. But it's good to see that the Knicks president actually gives full autonomy to the coach as far as what guys are getting minutes, etc. Because we've seen the Knicks in the past kind of like, you know, upper management kind of interfere with that. There was a lot of politics 
with certain guys not getting minutes. And uh, I think there'll be, you know, a lot of competition going on for those minutes. Interesting. The summer that Quentin Grimes had and the summer league and his performance there, he's somebody that, correct me if I'm wrong, looks like someone's going to compete for a spot and minutes in that rotation. Oh, boy, he's going to give Cam Reddish a run for the minutes, man. Oh, my God. Grimes, along with uh, Brunson, is going to be crazy. And, you know, what's his name? Evan Fonia better be careful because Grimes is going to sneak up up there to take some of his minutes easily. It'll probably depend on how effective Tips can figure out a quick lineup for the bench to work. But if he could fit Grimes in that starting lineup and take out Evan, that could be a good look. Absolutely. I mean, Quentin last year stepped in and did a great job before the injury. And, um, you know, this summer did a, did a great job in the, in the summer league. I mean, I think you saw the confidence the coach had in him last year. Oh, yeah, definitely. In the summer league, you know, there were people all around the league. I was shocked. They were bigging up Quentin Grimes. They said he was the best player in summer league. I've seen numerous reporters say the same exact thing. He was the best player overall. I was like, wow. I mean, them bigging up the Knicks is enough, but damn, they just... It really went in for Grimes. Tibbs had in, giving him the opportunity. Right. And uh, he's put in hours and hours in the gym over the summer, working on his game, working with the coaches, and preparing himself for this year. And I'm looking forward to seeing what that transcends, transpires into. And Obi Toppin got an opportunity late in the season to get starters minutes and big minutes. And his production just went skyrocketed. Did you see something that you didn't know he had? What did he show you at the end of last season that makes you look forward to what he can do this year? You know, I think confidence is a big thing. Yeah. He was given an opportunity and he took advantage of it. Another thing that Tibbs always preaches, you gotta stay ready, you gotta be ready. His defense gotta come up, man. I mean, it's, it's starting to get there. You know, I'm wondering, that's another thing. If his defense comes up, will Tibbs actually squeeze him in some of these lineups? Will he do a lineup with Julius and Toppin? Maybe Julius at the five. Who knows? I mean, there's a lot of ways Tips can mix and match these lineups. It's, it's insane. I mean, we'd even factor in D Rose in some of these lineups. I mean, there's going to be a lot of ample opportunity for topping. But hopefully they don't stick him at that small forward position. You know, because he tends to just park at the three, and that's not his game. And it's not always easy, especially for young players. But... That is a key component, uh, is mental toughness. You see all that, man? All those dunks? I'm telling you, topping, pushing the pace, along with Brunson, uh, it's, it's going to be insane. It's going to be insane. Topping is one of the huge beneficiaries of Brunson coming on to the Knicks. This is a really good look for him. Because last year, we were one of the bottom teams in pace. And guys like Obi, now can, he could just fly down the court. Staying ready, and when you get that opportunity, seize it. And Obi sure did that. And, and to take it one step further, he's really put in a lot of work this summer. He looks great. Cam Reddish, talk about opportunity. When he got it late in the year, he had a terrific game. Then the very next game, shoulder injury, unfortunately, and then couldn't finish the season. He's got to stay healthy. Killer Cam got to stay healthy. That's all. He got to stay healthy. And offensively, I don't know what it is. If he gets jittery, it's just something offensively is just not right. You know, especially when he attacks the hoop. Some of the his layup attempts are like, they're not going to go in. It's like, maybe the game is too fast for him. Or maybe he's just rushing the game. I don't know what it is. But offensively, something is not right with Cam. During this offseason, there were reports that he asked for a trade. Is that true? No, no, that wasn't true. Um, he didn't ask for a trade. His representatives didn't ask for a trade. And actually, I believe he put out a tweet after that report came out saying, you know, he didn't know what they were talking about. Shut so, it down. It's, yeah, it's, okay. it was inaccurate. What? Yeah, so Cam definitely, his, um, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent this offseason. It'll be very interesting to see what he does. But he definitely does have to step up this season if he wants to stay on this squad. But he also gets a lot of love. I always say, man, New York, we give players out of Duke and Syracuse that love. And even though Duke does not play anywhere near the tri-state area, they do get that Syracuse love. And Cam Reddish, I don't know if the Frank Nilakinia hive like came out of Frank and then just latched on to Cam, but he definitely has that type of loyal fan base within the Knicks fan base.
So it is what it is. His role here. I mean, well, first of all, you know, just to elaborate on what you just said, I mean, it was, it was a shame last year. He started to play well, he had the shoulder injury, and he put in a lot of time. I actually spent time with him after the season when I saw him in there when he was doing his rehab. And it was when people had left, but he, he was back there doing everything he had to do to get that shoulder healthy. The shoulder's fully healthy. Um, he put a lot of work in this summer with our coaches, um, also with uh, people he works with back in Philadelphia. And um, he's been in the gym and working hard, and you know we're excited to see him on Tuesday to get in there and compete for those minutes. And there's gonna be plenty of minutes for Cam because once again, that small forward position, we, we don't really have that much depth in that position. I know we drafted a new rookie. He's supposed to be at that position. But Grimes, you could you could mix and match him in there. But Obi, we don't really want to park him at that small forward position. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if Kim could really be solid, he can get a decent amount of minutes at that small forward position. So we'll see how that plays out. Definitely plenty of opportunity for Cam. He just got to stay healthy, man. So you made it clear just a few minutes ago that Tom Thibodeau has full autonomy when it comes to minutes and rotation and, and, and all that stuff. But everyone at the end of last season, without making the playoffs, identified last year as a disappointment. With that in mind, going into his third year, is there any extra pressure on Tom Thibodeau? I don't see it that way at all. You know, I mean, the way I see it is we, we're continuing with the plan. You know, we're not making any excuses for anything that happened last year. And, you know, we're just, I love Tibbs' phrase, we're going to win or we're going to learn. And, you know, we have to learn from the things we have to learn from, and we're not going to make excuses. Everybody has things that don't work out during the course of the season. But as far as I'm concerned, we're going to continue with the plan. We're going to continue to get better every single day. We're going to develop. We're going to be opportunistic. We're going to be... Right there, when he says they're going to be opportunistic, yeah, when the free agency landscape opens up, in the way that they see a player that's a game changer they're gonna go after that guy but for the most part the plan right now it seems like you know especially with the voter confidence that he gave tibbs it seems like it's to develop their guys right now aggressive we're gonna be you know looking to get better in any way shape or form we can but no tibbs guy two years ago coach of the year mm -hmm. it's been twice coach of the year in his career you know, I am so, I'm so excited about this team and, you know, about starting on Tuesday. And one of the reasons I'm so excited is having T Tibbs lead the group. And that's a good sign to see, man, especially for future coaches that want to join the Knicks to see if you go through rough times. You know, so far, this regime, they're going to stick by you. He definitely gave Tibbs the vote of confidence. So a lot of you guys, it's going to be like, you know, fire Tibbs. I mean, you pretty much got your answer from Leon Rose. You being in charge of this franchise, and it is again something all the years you were an agent now on this side of the business, you know that there's always going to be chatter about different things. And one thing that there have been a lot of critics about your front office is there's, there's too many voices. What do you have to say to those critics? Oh, I strongly disagree with that. In fact, I look at it like it's a positive and it, you know, that's our process and that's my process. And the people that I've hired in the front office, we have, you know, great people in the front office. As well as, as well as our coaches. I mean, Scott Perry is our general manager. Brock Aller is our strategist. Yeah, that Brock Aller guy, he definitely does have a good team around him because that Brock Aller guy, he used to be the salary cap guy for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You remember when LeBron was there around 2016, 2017, 2018? And you remember when the Cavs, their team wasn't quite good enough and they got rid of all those players and then they got a bunch of other players and then they still end up going to the finals. They worked out a lot of numbers and just this guy, this guy can move money and players around. Like he's really good at that. So Brock Allen is definitely a good selection for the Knicks. And then once again, going to Frank Zanin and Walt Perriman, we talked about them earlier before. Those guys, they're coming out of camps that have been consistent for years. Frank Zanin out of OKC, he worked under Sam Presti and we always hear how much praise Sam Presti gets for drafting guys. And then the other scout, Walt Perriman, once again, out of, out of Utah. That organization, he's been there since the 90s. So Carl Malone, John Stockton, that era ended, and they were able to find Darren Williams, Andre Karolinko, and have another good, solid team for another seven-plus years. So Leon Rose definitely has a good team around him. And we also got to keep in mind, they say there's, there's too many voices. 
the Knicks don't need a president like Phil Jackson towards the end of his career, where he kind of was only the voice. He was like the only voice there, and he told guys to do something, and it clearly it didn't work, and there was no alternative plan at all. You know, his style of leadership was not really beneficial. As we see today, a lot of the successful teams, they have presidents that can that have multiple people around them that specialize in a lot of different things. You look at the president at Golden State, you know, he's like a he's like a, a guy like Leon Rose, where he was like an agent. There's multiple guys like that. So they know a lot of different people. So they could put specialists in certain areas like scouting, you know, salary cap, you know, player development. Like this is the style of leadership that makes more sense. And that this is the reason why you see a lot of agents, big time agents becoming presidents and general managers of teams because they know exactly what team to assemble to build a successful roster. And this is why Leon Rose is president of the Knicks right now. He's going to use his connections and understanding of what's going on around the league, who does what, and he's going to put together a team. Once again, that Phil Jackson, I'm just going to tell you what to do, run the triangle, and there's no other plan. That kind of I'm the boss, pyramid, top-down leadership, it doesn't work in today's NBA. Frank Zanin, assistant general manager. Walt Perrin, assistant general manager. William Wesley, executive vice president. Gerson Rosas is a consultant to us. And all of those people bring a lot of strengths, a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge, a lot of contacts around the league. And I, as the president, I'm going to utilize all of that. And when we have a decision to make, I want their opinions. I solicit their opinions. But make no mistake about it, at the end of the day, I'm going to deliberate, I'm going to analyze it, and I'm going to, you know, take that very seriously because I know at the end of the day, it's on me. I have to make the decision, and I'm going to make a decision that I believe is the best thing for the New York Knicks organization. That is well said by Leon Rose. Definitely going to make the decision, but he's going to utilize all these guys sort of like a cheese sheet. And Phil Jackson, once again, his style of leadership when he was the president of the Knicks, I don't think this was his approach, you know. He was just hiring a bunch of guys that he knew. I mean, when they had Kirk Rambis come to the Knicks, I was like, what the fuck? You know, Kirk Rambis, you guys look up his record as far as coaching. It's horrible. But at the end of the day, once again, Leon Rose kind of applying that rule. I don't want to be the smartest guy in the room. So this is definitely a criticism the media has with the Knicks. There's too many guys in the front office. But at least you guys see and have a better understanding because I like the team. You know, especially Brock Aller that Leon Rose has around him, man. He got a, he got some good people around him. You're doing is talking like a leader, obviously, and, and that's what you, you should do in that role. A leader on your team was Julius Randle for the last two years, and, and what he did two years ago, obviously, you know, still resonates. Last year, the numbers were the same, but there was something different about him. Have you had any conversations with him? What does he need to do to make sure that the production does turn into team success like we saw him do two years ago? First of all, Julius is going to have to ignore the media trolling, and especially the trolling, you know, from a certain segment of the fan base. As we know, there's like a frat boy portion within the fan base. Julius is going to have to ignore it, even though if they talk about his family members, his wife, his kids, he's going to have to ignore that. And he's going to have to keep his emotions in check. This is this is just how it is in New York, especially with the media. They're going to put lies. They're going to try to troll you. They understand that the fan base gets emotional just hearing your name because they can see it on Twitter and they pinpoint your name as basically almost like a, 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 a point in the algorithm to trigger the Knicks fan base to get them to click on articles and watch videos. So Julius got to be very careful. Look, I've talked to Julius. I've seen Julius. Uh, he is in phenomenal shape. He's in a great space. He's really excited about getting started this year. Um, Look, last year his numbers were elite again, 20, 10, and 5. Right. Three players in the league that did that. Mm -hmm. Julius is a passionate. And keep in mind, he put up those type of numbers, even though they weren't as efficient, but just keep in mind, he put up those type of numbers with Kimball Walker already getting hurt by December and Derrick Rose was already considered out six weeks in. So only six weeks with Derrick Rose and Kimball Walker. That was it. So Randall, you know, he kept getting the ball at the top of the key. Out of, out of position, and he's the power forward. So he had to work with that last season. So 
we see what kind of numbers he put up and i'm bet you with brunson he should be a bit more efficient you know he might hover around that 22 points to 19 points a game but he's a double double machine and randall is definitely in phenomenal shape right now oh randall ready to get it in player i see that as a positive did he did he have some rough patches last year yes we all learn from things and julius has learned from that and he is ready to go i can tell you i i can tell you from talking to him i can tell you from being around him and he and he looks phenomenal but um i think julius can have a great year yeah it's a very interesting year for him certainly and, and another veteran that you know was such a key piece of the playoff team two years ago is derrick rose I don't know about you, but I think people are forgetting about him as we get into the season. You I'll tell you one there. thing. Yeah, we kind of forgot about that last season, how Derrick Rose made our bench the most, you know, pivotal bench in the whole league. Matter of fact, when we had that trade with Detroit, you know, back in uh, 2020, you know, I believe 2021, Derrick Rose was, was the reason why our season turned around. We were struggling up until that point. Once he came on the squad, that's when... You know, things turned around. I mean, even ESPN was making changes to their national TV games and adding the Knicks in there. I haven't forgot about him, <laughs> all right? That guy was the heart and soul of our team two years ago. And um, we missed him dearly last year. So really excited about getting him back. Um, and he, he also does not have that pressure of performing like he did last season. I mean, the six weeks that he played, he had a lot of pressure, especially after the, the Kim Walker benching. I mean, that Kimber Walker situation was just a gamble. But pretty much the Knicks found out the reason why OKC just pretty much dropped him and why Michael Jordan didn't want to give him the extension. You know, no, his knees are pretty much done. He's down to his rookie playing weight right wow. now. And I hope I won't embarrass him by saying this, but when I looked out my window the other day when the guys were out there working out, he was walking around without his shirt on. So I think he was like trying to let everybody know I'm ready. <laughs> Uh, the Eastern Conference, uh, it's tough. It's as tough as I can remember. I mean, it's been a long time since it's been as stacked as it is. How do you, how does your team stack up to this new Eastern Conference and, and what are your expectations? for? Well, first of all, I'm gonna say this about the East. I've been saying this for a few years now, since 2019 when Kawhi, Jimmy Butler, all these guys joined the Eastern Conference and the young pups like Embiid and Giannis started to mature. That became the toughest conference. I mean, going into this season, we're going to see, of course, the Cavs, they're on the come up. It's not a guarantee they're going to be even a top five team. But the Celtics, Bucks, Heat, we still got to throw the Nets in there because they got, you know, Ben Simmons. If he's healthy, he could change the dynamic of that team. Of course, the 76ers, Raptors, Raptors on the come up. They even made the playoffs last year. They gave the 76ers a lot of issues especially with that young superstar that they got on their team, Scotty Barnes. You know, of course, we got to throw the Hawks in there still. They got Trey Young. I don't like to admit it. Yeah, he's a game changer, whatever. But that time, that team might be a little bit of a cap. But at the end of the day, like, the landscape just keeps changing within our conference. I mean, even the Chicago Bulls, they're a decent team, but they're not going to have the defensive player in Lonzo Ball. So they may actually come down the rankings same thing for the Hornets. The thing issue with Miles Bridges, that might bring that team down a little bit. You know, and at the end of the day, there's young teams with a lot of young good players, high draft picks like the Magic and the Pistons. I wouldn't say they're on the they're on the come up, but going up against those teams every night, can't really fall asleep. So the landscape for the East has definitely changed. And it's gonna be interesting to see where we fit in within all this season. You know, I'm not going to make any predictions. I'm not going to make specific expectations. But what I do expect is that our team is going to come out every night and compete at a high level. We're going to bring it every night. We're, everybody's going to give everything they have to try to win the game every single night. And, you know, like we said earlier, depth is our strength. And, you know, I believe that you know, we're going to play the right way. We're going to play hard. We're going to play smart. We're going to play fast. And, you know. Yes, we're going to play fast. That's the key right there. With Brunson on the team, that pace better pick up, boy. Because being ranked number 30 last year was trash. We're going to, you know, we'll, we'll see how those chips fall. 
All right, well, next week we start training camp. Is your third? Third training camp? Yeah, third going training camp. It's fast, camp. isn't it? Unbelievable. It really is. Unbelievable. It, and these opportunities to talk with you obviously are, are great, and it's great for fans to hear from you. But I think it's important for me to step aside, and if you want to address the fans, if you have a message for them. <laughs> Once again, like I always say, being the president of the Knicks is a front-facing job. And Leon Rose, you can't put, you can't talk about his reserve personality. He doesn't really do media, doesn't talk to fans, et cetera, et cetera. You're going to have to come out sometime because when you're walking around the town, going to lunch with your family, people are going to ask you about the squad. So having any affiliations with the Knicks will always be a front-facing job. That goes for the players. That goes for coaching staff, you know, people in the front office, anybody, even the team announcers. It's always a front-facing job. Here's your opportunity. That's the camera for the fans? That's you. First of all, I just want to say, Thank you very much for your unwavering support. You guys are truly the greatest fans in the world. And I really think you're gonna have a, you're gonna love this team. You're gonna love rooting for this team. They're a young, hungry group of guys that are gonna work every day to try to get better. They're gonna bring it every night for you. They're gonna do everything in their power to make you proud. And I want you also to know that the lift that you give them is appreciated and felt every night. There's nothing like a crowd at the Garden supporting the team. And I can't wait to see all of you soon. Well, was well said by Leon Rose. And once again, I believe this season will be just like how it was back in 2020-2021 season, where nobody expected anything out of us. And then we came out of nowhere and had a good season, made even a playoff appearance. I smell the same thing here. So it is what it is. You guys hear directly from Leon Rose himself. And we'll see how this plays out. Until next time, you fellas stay safe in these runner streets. Peace.